Welcome to another What Else. This time it's Jennifer Osterbahn who is my guest, and I think you'll find her to be hilarious and smart and interesting. This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy the show. Without further ado, let's listen to Jennifer Osterbahn. Like most things in life, it could be a botch. <laughs> but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. So we're just going to talk about some stuff. Okay. On the show. What else? Hopefully I know some stuff. My guess, what's your middle name? I try to say people's full name oh, at the top of the thing. What's your full name? It's Suzanne. All right. So I don't think I... <laughs> I don't know if I knew that. Probably not. About you. It's pretty uncommon. I mean, it's Jennifer Suzanne Osterbahn. That is my name. The, the first. Who are, do you, are you named after anybody? Either name? No, um, but I have the same initials as my dad's father. Okay. I think that's part of how they picked my name. What was his name? I'm going to guess James. Jeremiah. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yep. Jeremiah Osterbahn. And I don't know his middle name. Okay. I wish I did. It's probably something you good. You I find that out. Yeah. Jeremiah is a pretty powerful I know, right? first name. Sounds like a pioneer. Yes. I was going to write, you think of <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson, the <laughs> Robert Redford, who I think was wearing this jacket. That's right. Yeah. I don't think he was a pioneer. I think he was a painter. Where, <laughs> <laughs> where did he live? Like, where did your, where did your parents grow up? They um, grew up in Roseland on the south side of okay. Chicago. And yeah, that, that's where their parents were too, both of them. So do you know where your people came from before that or how long ago they came before um, that? I think for both uh, my mom's side and dad's, I think it was my, um, let me think, my great great. Okay. Yeah. So it's a while back. It's a while back. Yeah. I think I, I might be, I think it's great, great on my mom's side for sure. But on my dad's, it might just be great. Okay. And then you. That's such it's, a, it's such a good description for your grandparents, right? It is pretty great. good. All right. I mean, I have no idea if they were great. They could have been terrible. <laughs> but. Yeah, but you, you're here now. I'm here now. Um, and so your did your parents then? They grew up in the same neighborhood that you grew up in. They had that was yeah, their... yeah. It was a very um, uh, you know, people didn't move out of that right. neighborhood, um, and but... probably wouldn't have um if it hadn't gotten somewhat dangerous. And in fact, it's kind of a, you know, it's I don't know that it's as bad as it's portrayed on the news i i went there a few years ago and at least the exact neighborhood um that i lived in where we moved from that part of roseland was still pretty nice in the sense that people were taking care of their properties and their lawn they clearly cared Mm -hmm. um so it wasn't sort of the gang crime ridden um you know neighborhood that it's portrayed on on the news or that our president would necessarily have you <laughs> believe. But um, it is definitely got some, tro- it's a troubled place right now. So, and it, it was becoming that way when we moved. 
um, which was in the 70s. I can't remember exactly what year, but it was definitely getting to be somewhat dangerous. So you lived there when you were little, and then you moved at, like, what age? It was, like, maybe seven. Okay. Um, and we moved to Frankfurt, which is even farther south. Um, my, so where I lived, it was literally right on the corner of 114th street and union. Um, and, and if, you know, Frankfurt for people who don't know is, um, probably maybe 40 minute drive south of the city, something like that. Uh, not far from Tinley park. People know. So when you moved there, I mentioned that was pretty, um, sparsely yes. built up, right? Yes. So um, I think, you know, one of the goals my dad had when we moved, he was a huge golfer. I mean, my dad um, liked to read and he liked to play golf, and those were pretty much his hobbies. And so he was very determined if we were, you know, moving out of the city that he was going to live close to a golf course. So we lived very close to, we lived in the subdivision where the Prestwick golf course was, Prestwick Country Club. And it eventually grew to be a pretty big, you know, little subdivision or whatever around this golf course. There were several sections. And, um, but when we first moved there, there was not very many houses there. And, um, it was mostly empty lots. We bought a lot that had a million trees. You know, it's not like now. It had a million trees on it. Mm-hmm. And my dad built our house and literally helped build it. Like, was out right, there just sometimes working else on it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And most of the lots around us were still basically, you know, wooded lots. So right. it was crazy as a, I mean, it was very weird to go from a city, you yeah. know, to this place where we were surrounded, it felt like, by the woods. And we used to, you know, go there and, um, you know, think it was a huge adventure for us, even it was an empty lot next to our house. Yeah. But when you're a kid, that seems pretty awesome, right? It was, yeah, it was crazy awesome. And I remember... Um, when we first moved out there, you know, again, it wasn't like they do now where they basically almost clear cut a lot and then you put your house cause it's easier to put the utilities and stuff. They, and then you plant trees. It's so stupid. Anyway, um, we, so we had all these big trees, huge, like oak trees and elm trees and things like that. They were, and we had one, one tree in the backyard that was one of those trees that kind of is two trees growing out together. Mm-hmm. We can kind of climb the middle yeah. of it. And uh, within, I would say, the first few months of moving there, my older brother, who's about eight years older than I am, um, <laughs> built a tiny wooden box and um, put a bunch of my mother's costume jewelry into it. And some, it was the 70s, so he threw some incense in there. And then my mother had this weird, like, tiara, I guess, left over from the 60s, maybe? And he put all this stuff in this little wooden box that he made. And then he drew a treasure map and buried it 
in the ground on our property, which when we were a kid, you know, our, the property around our house seemed enormous. And so he did, drew this treasure map and burnt the edges. Wow. <laughs> and buried the spots. The whole. Yeah. And then basically pretended to find it somewhere on the property. I can't remember. It could have been in the two trees because that was so weird looking to us. Um, and then basically we went on a treasure hunt and found this buried treasure in our lot. It was crazy. That's pretty fun. Yeah. It was really fun. And it, you know, it, I mean, he's a creative person anyway, but he was definitely making the most, he was clearly in tune with that fact of how weird it was for us to move Mm -hmm. from the city Mm -hmm. to this place where, you know, there was so much wild um, forest in our, you know. Yeah. Yeah. At least to us, that's what it looked like. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Do you remember having an impression of it being like, you were looking forward to the move or or not? Yeah, we were, I think we were looking forward to the move because, and I think this is true, right, for a lot of kids, we were moving to a bigger house, which when you're a kid sounds like such a great idea, right? Right, Because you're sure. on top of each other and your mom's complaining about your toys being everywhere. And right. so all they really have to do is tell you something like you're going to have your own room, which we didn't, Right. but you're going to have your own room or you're going to be able to play in the basement. It's going to be huge. You can put your toys all over. You know, that's all you care about when you're kids. Sure. I think that's how they sold it, which ended up being true. Um, We used to roller skate in our basement. That's how big it was. Um, Because we had, of course, again, 70s ranch house, right? And the basement was under the whole thing. So it was a pretty huge basement. And they never finished it. Right. So it was just cement and. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I remember being excited. And we got to pick out like carpeting and wallpaper. And um, I had um, bright green shag carpeting in my room. Nice. <laughs> like the color that's on your shirt mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> like I've kind of come back around to some things that I thought were sort of gross or tacky or whatever now yeah. i kind of get it i think yeah you kind of find be like having like a bright garden to wake up in right yeah well and it's weird how those things um that were so uh you know part of the culture at that point now when you're older remind you of your childhood that's right right because I, I can't walk into for example an old uh, bar that has pan- that crappy light colored paneling right. and not think of, you know, my house in Frankfurt and also everybody's rec room, right, mm-hmm. that we all, all of us yeah. played in, right, right. <laughs> growing up, because it all had that same crappy paneling. So, yeah. Yeah. And shag is a bit like that for me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you're also like... I think you're a person who's sort of in tune with what people would call, I guess, interior design, whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, I really used to enjoy it a lot. I, I don't spend a lot of time doing it now, um, but for a while, it was I, I would say it was kind of a hobby. Yeah. Um, and I still appreciate it. I don't do a lot of it um, myself. You know, I had a couple places I lived in where 
you know, it was just an ongoing project. I was always doing something or changing something or painting something. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't do that as much anymore. I just don't have time, but I definitely appreciate it, you know, in other people's spaces. Um, and I get it. My older brother was, is like that too. And he still does it. I mean, he's still working at his house, I think, and has, worked on every house he's ever lived in probably every weekend since he's been an adult. Interesting. <laughs> it's definitely a hobby. So do you find that like you have, do you feel like you're fairly particular in your taste? Like, do you look at things you're like, yes, no, yes, yes. Um, I think, I think the answer to that is yes. But I also, I, there's a wide variety of things I like, and um, it changes a bit, for sure, over time. And also, at least if you're talking about interior design, it's kind of dictated by the space mm -hmm. a little bit. Like, I, you know, I can get into modern stuff, I can get into vintage stuff, but it sort of is dictated by what the place looks like. Yeah. Are you like uh, artistic? I don't know, I don't even know what that word means. But were you like <laughs> that kind of person as a kid? Like, were yeah. you? Um, yeah, I don't think I, I would say y yes, but I don't know that any particular thing stuck for me. Like, for you, clearly music became, you know, something <clears throat> that really st stuck. Right. And I would say for me, it was a a lot of different things at different times. And I'm probably still a little bit like that. Um, I mean, there was a time I played the piano. I started playing the piano when I was eight and, you know, was decent at it, but there was a period of time, um, like late junior high, I would say, where I really got into it. And I was playing complicated things and spending a lot of time and, mm -hmm. And then, you know, high school came around and there were parties. So that was the end of that. <laughs> I mean, I, and I think I was like that with a lot of different things. I can remember as a kid being into um, making jewelry at one point. I can, be, I can remember being into painting and a little bit in college mm -hmm. um, painting. Or is that right? Yeah. Um, maybe it was actually after college. I guess it was technically after college. It was around the time I think I was working at the radio station. Um, but so kind of back and forth with, with some of that stuff, but, um, I like doing it. I just, I, I guess I haven't found one thing I really yeah. crazy about for any length of time. When you do it, what do you, how, how does it make you feel? Like, how, what do you like about it? Um, you know, I think that one of the aspects of that type of, uh, activity probably for most people is that you get lost in it. Um, you know, and there aren't that many things that happen to you on a daily basis mm -hmm. that you get lost in, especially at, you know, our age. Um, and so I think that's one of the gifts of being interested in some kind of artistic endeavor mm -hmm. is that you you it's one of those things that you can do and lose track of time and 
not think about other yeah. things, um, which isn't the case, right, in other aspects of your life. I mean, it, most people don't necessarily lose track of time at work, at least not for a whole day. That's pretty rare. I mean, it happens if you're mm-hmm. busy on some specific project. You don't necessarily spend a whole day at work not thinking about anything else. Mm-hmm. You, you know, mm-hmm. find yourself distracted or whatever. Sure. I think if, you know, something that you really get into artistically can do that, um, you know. And also, um, it just has that weird kind of life of its own where, I mean, I guess sometimes you can sit down with something that you're working on and you have a specific goal, but sometimes you're kind of just sitting down and seeing where it's going to take you, kind of figuring out, (laughs) you know, as you go along. And like I said, I think that doesn't necessarily translate to other things in people's lives. You know, normally at work you have specific goals and you're not right. just going in there and, you know, goofing around until you find something you yeah. like. So I would say those two things are probably the things that stick out. What about you? What do you... Um, well, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think that you hit it on the head, right? It's something that you can get lost in right and not be thinking about other stuff mm-hmm. right and that's sort of soothing i think mm-hmm. right it can be you know maybe calming or maybe just just gives you a break from everything else mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's sort of satisfying to be immersed and no one has an expectation of it, maybe not even you, which is also a little different, right? In the sense that, you know, you may have an idea of what you want it to be or look like or sound like or whatever when you're done, but you don't, you're not doing it necessarily for anyone else. I, I think that's the, the sort of best state, right, mm-hmm. to be in. Yeah. I think that's the sort of purest version, most pure version of, of that. Yeah. I yeah. agree. But I think you can, I mean, I remember someone saying to me like a, a years ago, they were sort of, they just discovered yoga, right? And they're sort of like, oh, this is so great. Like you, you just do it and you totally get in the zone. You're totally into it. And I was like, yeah, like playing the guitar or any number of other, you know, like, <laughs> Yeah. I think maybe it was for that person it was the first time they had found yeah. something that did that, that. Did that right. Yeah, yeah. I, can I think see that. you could find it. I mean, probably a lot find of people cleaning find the that. house yeah. or whatever. And there are probably a lot of people who find that in exercise. I, I would I mean, I am the wor- I have almost no interest in exercising, so I can't <clears> relate, but um but <clears> you know, clearly so many people are attracted to it for reasons outside of health. Mm-hmm. that there must be some element to it, which I am not keyed into, but I imagine that's one of the things. Yeah, I think you're right. right. It can be, right? Yeah. It can be a kind of thing that you can get in the zone and yep. takes you away from other things. And yeah. I think that's one. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully I'll find that someday with some kind of exercise. That's. Did you ever do like <laughs> any like sports team things or um, stuff when you were younger? I did. So I, um, 
I like softball. You and I have played softball together. I like right. softball. I play, I play a bit of softball and not so much anymore. The other thing was um, golf. So I started golfing, of course, because we moved out sure. to a golf course and my dad was a big golf cor- golfer. So I probably started golfing. I probably was like, you know, again, eight or nine or something. I mean, somewhere around there, not long after mm-hmm. we moved out. And um, I liked it, uh, you know, I, and I was decent at it. I was uh, on the golf team in high school, <laughs> little known fact. Um, but I weirdly, the problem with me is I don't, I, I am not, I, this is, people don't believe this, but I'm actually not competitive at all. And <laughs> even though, I have a weird, you know, job for not being competitive. Um, but I think you can have other kinds of goals or motivations and still find it interesting. But I just, I could never find myself really caring about the competition aspect mm-hmm. of it. I just couldn't, I just didn't care. As much as, you know, my coach tried to get me to care, I just, I, I don't know. It's not a thing that, um, it's just not in my DNA. I, you know, I, I like watching, you know, a baseball game and I, of, you know, I'm from the South side, so I'm a White Sox fan. Um, and I, you know, it was very fun just like for you guys when they won the world series and, um, you know, we watched games together, um, in my family, which we hadn't done in years. <clears throat> so it was very fun. I get it. But I also, I don't get into it the way that other people do. Um, you know, I just, um, I think sports are fun, but they're just fun for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't have that um, competitive angle with them. So I, I at some point, I, um, <laughs> I had a, uh, the ed, one advantage I had, um, and they say, you know, they say, uh, you know, both for batting and for golf, to some extent, um, your power comes from your legs, mm-hmm. right? And so it makes sense, I think, to some extent, that both of those things I was sort of decent at um, because they both kind of involve the same thing in terms of the swinging a club and, the, mm-hmm. you know, harder you can hit it, the better, et cetera. And so I had, um, I had a good, uh, you know, my advantage as a woman is I could hit fairly far, for a woman, the golf ball, but unfortunately, part of my I had a really fast backswing. This is so golfy, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I at some point I really developed a terrible slice, and because I would I could hit far, I would be playing in another fairway. You know, my balls would go into the street, etc., and I couldn't really fix it because whatever I was doing was somewhere in this fast backswing. And every time I slowed it down, I couldn't, you know, it wasn't me, my swing anymore. So I never really got, you know, to a place where it it came back Mm -hmm. and then I just sort of got bored with it. So I don't even play. I haven't played in like 20 years. Um, But that's the only other thing I did, which I still do, as you know, is uh, dance. Right. that's, That's, you know, now just for fun, but. Right. Did you ever have formal dance? 
I did. I did a little bit as a kid, but um, also in college, I took dance every oh. year I was there and uh, danced in a show once at Craner. Is that I right? Remember that? Yeah. Like a what kind of performance is that? Like it some was, kind of modern um, dance yeah, or ballet? Yeah, it was a modern type. dance. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So that I mean, you know, that would probably be the one thing I could say exercise wise. Yeah. Exercise wise that I could get into. So do you think you're, are you competitive in other ways uh, outside of like sports competition? Um, I think some people who know me would say yes about certain things. Um, but more so, for example, I would say people at work probably see me as competitive in this in you know performance wise right and you know and sort of trying to achieve certain things etc but i would say even though it might look competitive it's probably is more just self-driven mm -hmm. um rather than comparison to other people yeah it. it's it's probably a little more self-driven than that are you like a do you feel like you're a you know, I don't know, people use the term perfectionist or something. Are you a person who, like, evaluates yourself and wants to do better or wants to get things yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yes, is the answer to that question. I think of a perfectionist as somebody who sometimes gets in their own way with their, uh, you mm -hmm. know, need mm. to kind of do something a specific way and i would say that is not me only because i am probably more um goal oriented in other words not the process of doing it a specific way is not a big part of my motivation when mm -hmm. i when i do things if i think of you know a people that i because in my job there are people who are like that for sure. Um, and, you know, I think that can be a real detriment because sometimes you have to be able to move quickly, make decisions quickly and not be, you know, too tied to your process. And mm -hmm. Too much of a hand wringer or things like that. So it is not, you know, I and I should say i don't know that one is necessarily better than the other but right. one is just not my personality and it would be hard to do my job and have that personality so it would be what do you think so you're done. you're a lawyer right mm -hmm. so what's the <laughs> essence of your because i know that that can mean a lot of things yep. in terms of what a job actually is yeah like what do you think yours is like what are the fundamental things yeah i mean uh, so I think in some sense, I, so I'm a lawyer and I work for a, a big company and, um, you know, with a lot of employees and products and things like that. And so I would say m you could probably characterize a lot of the lawyers who work at the company um, as people who try to kind of mitigate risk. Um, that's certainly true for me. Mm -hmm. I do litigation, um, but I would, I would also say... <laughs> Um, that I'm more of a problem solver in the sense that nothing comes to me that isn't already kind of a mess. 
um, you know, it's already a lawsuit or, you know, there are a lot, a lot of people in my in my company who do legal work who are trying to prevent that. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, sort of the body's already dead, as they say, and I have to <laughs> I have to try to figure out what to do about it. Um, and so a lot of what I do is, uh, you know, trying to um, resolve that problem or that piece of litigation or whatever in the most favorable way I can for the company. And that's all kinds of things. A lot of times it's money. Yeah. Sometimes it's about people. Um, you know, sometimes it's about products. You know, one of the areas that I work in is patent litigation. And in patent litigation, you can literally, you know, if you're infringing someone's patent under certain circumstances, your product can be taken off the market. So it can be products, it can be people, it can be money. Um, but, you know, my job is really to figure out what that strategy is to get that favorable result and then, you know, put together a team and make sure it gets executed and kind of drop in t- on certain important pieces mm-hmm. um, to make sure it gets executed. And that's probably the best description, I guess, overall. How much of it do you think is relies on actual legal knowledge, like knowledge of laws and legislation versus how much of your job is sort of utilizing your experience and skills with humans and problem solving and the dynamics of situations? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I would say probably... 20% is the former mm-hmm. and 80% is the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, at least to do it well. Yeah. For sure. Uh, because I think the, re- the reality is, I mean, one of the things I like about my job, one, one of the reasons people pick jobs or stay in jobs, ideally, right, is that it's something that they're interested in um, because otherwise it is really hard to go there every day. Um, and so one of the things I like about my particular job is that and what makes it interesting is that it is different, right? That I do have things I have to learn every day. Um, and that's in that 20%. Even though some basic ideas of law, you know, you know, the interesting stuff is kind of constantly new, the law piece of it. Mm-hmm. You're constantly sort of researching and figuring out this new area, you know, this new claim that someone's filed, this new theory, et cetera. So that part, um, you know, some of it you know, but some of it you have to figure out in, yeah. in every case. And But then the ability to figure it out, the ability to apply it, the ability to navigate the problem and solve it and you know, get the buy-in from the folks you need buy-in from and make sure everybody understands it and is okay with it, whatever that is. Or, you know, maybe it's a trial and you have to actually persuade a jury. There's always some person to persuade in this process, whether it's your internal people or external people. But that is all, I think, um, skill and instinct and talent to be good at it. I think. What have you learned about persuading people or even (laughs) just about people, but we could just start with 
about that part. Like, what have you learned about? I, I mean, assume people. you've been in a number of situations where you I needed know. to convince or persuade somebody. I mean, I think one of the most important things is to try to put yourself in that person's shoes, right? Because until you figure out what that person is going to care about, what that person is going to get turned on by, you know, what's going to resonate, what's going to make sense, how are they going to understand it, you cannot even begin to figure out how to persuade them. I mean, you just, so you have to kind of figure out who your person is, what they care about, you know, that's key. Um, and sometimes that is people you know very well, right? Like in some cases, it's people I work with every day that I have to persuade. Um, and sometimes it's complete strangers, like a, a jury or a judge. Um, so I think that's kind of the first thing. And then I think that's something we kind of talked about earlier, which is you after you figure out sort of what's going to resonate that, and you know who that person is, what they care about, you have to also figure out what their concerns are going to be and what their questions are going to be, right? So if you're deciding, you're, you know, you're talking to a jury and you're going to explain to them, you know, why you didn't do X, Y, and Z and you shouldn't be held liable, you have to figure out not only sort of what, how you're going to explain it in a way that makes sense and that they're going to care about and that they're going to relate to and they're going to sort of is going to resonate with them, you also have to figure out what their concerns are going to be and what their questions will be and make sure you address those and answer those. Mm. I think without those pieces, you're not going to persuade anybody of anything. Um, you know, so those are probably two important things I've learned about persuading people. Um, yeah, and also the more... I think, too, the more you can, um, you have to walk this line, right, of looking like you know what you're talking about, but, <laughs> right? Because you, 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 you have to have a credibility with this person, whoever this is, but also not be too preachy. Um, I think you have to work, most people do, have to work on you know, being um, accessible, right? Because you're not, you're really going to, I mean, think about it, right? Your, your teachers weren't persuading you of things. They were teaching you things. Mm-hmm. And so if you just stand up there or you sit across from someone and you just teach them, you're probably not going to persuade them. So you have to... You know, you at the on the one hand, you have to be credible and make sure that person thinks yeah. you know what you're talking about. But on the other hand, you have to be accessible enough that they, you know, that they're actually going to believe you and side with you and all of that. I'm just thinking. I somebody said it a long time ago, and it stuck with me. They're like, you can't persuade anybody of anything. <laughs> and I think the point was right. You can't actually like change someone's mind you could bring something to light that's already there you could sort of shine yeah. a light on something that's in there already yeah but it's very very difficult to move someone's thinking i think that's right i think that's probably right um i mean i know that uh listen in the context that i'm talking about right you have you have a you have options and then you have to pick one 
You know, whether I'm talking to a supervisor, we've got to do something. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you have to pick one of these options. If you're on a jury, you got to decide for me or you got to decide with that guy. So it's not a, it, it's not probably as a pure a form of persuasion as what you're talking about. Cause I mm-hmm. think you're right. I think in, in sort of just a, um, that context yeah. of just trying to get someone's buy-in for an idea, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you probably don't change people's minds. You, but even, I would say that's probably even true for, you know, the kind of persuasion I'm talking about because to some extent, all of those things that I talked about that you have to do are an attempt to kind of connect and tap in to certain beliefs that the person you're talking to already has. Mm-hmm. That's probably true. I assume you like it. Do you like it? <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I mean, you know, I, I definitely like my job. And I, part of it is what I said earlier, which is that I do learn something every day. Um, which is one of the things I like the most about my job. Um, and it's something I, you know, I, I practice the kind of law now that I wasn't really planning to do when I went to law school. I was going to be a criminal prosecutor, which is what my older brother does. Um, and I just found that I, you know, I didn't like the trial work. The trial work wasn't the stuff that really turned me on. It was all the sort of analysis and strategy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's much more complicated in what I do now. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the reason I like it. But I think part of it is definitely um, persuading people of things in the sense that, you know, it is a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. For probably exactly the reason you just said, which is, you know, people are not easily moved um, and they have their own ideas about things. So it's a it's a it's a challenge aspect of the job that I I like. Definitely. You couldn't if someone was like you can't do this job anymore. You need to do something else. <laughs> uh-huh. Like do you have other things where you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I've got plenty of other stuff I'd be interested to do?" Yeah, I'd go be an actress somewhere. <laughs> nice. When's the last time you did anything like that? <laughs> oh my god. Decades and decades. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely That's I mean, great. right, because that Doing that, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with this, but I feel like doing that is something you have to commit to, right? And and I mean to do it as a business, as a yeah, living? and even as a side thing, right? You, it's a to some extent acting as a skill, so you kind of got to sure. keep doing it. I think to be to be on your game. I don't mm-hmm. think it's something you can sort of dabble in. I feel like even if you're just doing community theater or something like that, you kind of have to keep at it. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been a long time, but I think it would be fun. Yeah. Did did you like it? Yeah. I I found it, you know, certainly I don't know that I could have made a career out of it um, because I would be missing all these other things I like about my job now, but I definitely had a lot of fun doing that. Um, yeah. (laughs) I mentioned going back to kind of what we talked about earlier, that that's the kind of thing that you could lose yourself in, right? That you could immerse in. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, especially, you know, listen, if it involved also dancing, I'm a terrible singer, but, um, but I'd like the dancing part. Mm-hmm. And God knows, nobody sings well in musicals, right? I mean, that's just not a thing. Yeah. 
Someone's going to really be mad about that. But, you know, listen, there are a lot of Probably terrible. <laughs> there are a lot of terrible um, Broadway singers out there. I will not do my Ethel Merman impression for you, but I have one. And oh, I'm interested. We'll that do would that be a little one later. Of, That'd be one person I could point to who we'll made an amazing car. career out of, you know, musicals who's not a particularly good singer. Right? So. Yeah. I think there's <laughs> a lot of people making a good living singing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when did you... Or I'd you, be a writer, of course. Oh, but, yeah, that's right. You yeah. like to do that, too. I do. When's the last time you did, like, any, even just, you know... Scribbling down some oh. s- story that you're thinking of. Um, I I do it uh, frequently. Yeah, and you know where I'll do it now. Um, this is probably I'm not the only person who does this. I'm sure, but um, I do it in texts to people. I will. I will explain <laughs> that. That's very interesting <laughs> to me. Yeah, I will. I will. You know, construct a little story. Or something, and send someone a text, you know, or I'll, um, I'll take something that they said or something I know that they're doing, and I'll turn it into a little story. Or um, I did that most recently with the squirrel that I was telling you about earlier. That I was, I was having a to catch anyone up who's listening. Um, I uh, was having a standoff with a squirrel in my yard who was destroying one of my favorite trees to build a nest in my fireplace, which would have been fine if he hadn't been destroying my trees. And so, you know, as I said, it was kind of very funny. My interactions with the squirrel were much like the squirrel that you were describing on your deck, which is, you know, you would yell at him and he was completely unimpressed. Yeah. squirrel was the same way and so you know i took it i basically turned it into kind of a chronicle where i was describing for someone this my interactions with the squirrel on a day-to-day it was completely made up but um i love it and you would send this to one of your friends (laughs) as a text yeah exactly yeah, and it just, I don't know, something will hit me like that. It's great. You know, or I something love that. someone will say to me in a text will, you know, kind of, I don't know, hit me in a funny way. And then I'll just fire back a little story or I'll, I don't know. I love that. <laughs> That's really interesting. <laughs> and I still sometimes will do it um, in, uh, I have a page on my phone. This is so, you know. This is technology, right? Um, of notes sure. where I will write during it. You know, if I think of something, I'm sure you do this with music all the time, right? Where you think of something and then you write it down. Yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah, I carry the notebook era. with me for yeah. like 25 years. Yeah. Huh? You have to. Yeah. Because otherwise it goes away. Yeah. Otherwise you, you can't get it back. Absolutely. So I still do that. I still have some little notebooks like you're talking about. Occasionally I'll sit down and I'll. I'll have enough to say or I'll be, you know, some at my house where the notebook is and I'll sit down and write in a notebook. But that's probably more rare now mm-hmm. than the other two things. But, yeah, you got to kind of keep those muscles, right, um, working. For it's sure. like anything else. Otherwise, you get out of practice. I mean, I, 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 I would say it was probably maybe 10 years ago or something like that where I, I pulled out um a few things that I had written when we were younger. We 
you and I have known each other a long time. And so mm -hmm. it was, you know, we were, I was an adult, um, so it wasn't super long ago, but um, I read it and I was like, this is so funny. <laughs> I'm not this funny anymore. And so I thought to myself, I really have to keep, you know, kind of doing this. Yeah. Otherwise it goes away. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. It's totally valid. Yeah. It's like anything else. You, you can't, you gotta, I mean, cause it's a weird thing to tap into anything like that is. Mm -hmm. I'm sure songwriting is very much like that. And so think about it. If you didn't pick up a guitar, you didn't write a song for 10 years. You'd sort of forget yeah, where gets, to start with that. Yeah. Right? It gets harder. Yeah. So do you have any, like, uh, do you feel like you have any particular ambitions or goals with something like that? Like, do you feel like, oh, in the next X period of time, I'd like to write a short story or I'd like to write a novel or I'd like to, not even necessarily for a commercial purpose, right? But just to do it? Or do you yeah. just kind of like take it as it comes and just like the process of writing little things here and there? So I think it's a bit of both. Um, I, I definitely have always really wanted to try and sit down and write a, a novel, mm -hmm. um, and have had something in my head for a long time, kind of a sketch of something that I've over the years written bits and pieces of little scenes from or whatever. Um, and so there's definitely that hangs out there for me as something that I, um, would like to do someday. That said, I, I don't work on it. And so I realize, and I, and I, listen, I have fun with the little things that I do, right? So, you know, it wouldn't be bad if I just, I, at some point I may have to just accept that that's the kind of writer I am mm -hmm. and just leave it at that. But I would like to, you know, do something on a bigger scale someday. And I recently actually was thinking about the fact that that might be kind of ambitious. Like I may need to start somewhere smaller, like try to write, you know, a story and see if I can get it published in a magazine or something. Yeah. I was going to kind of ask about that. Like, I mean, you, even if you're, whether you're going to write something small or write something big, you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right. So I just wonder if you, when you think about writing this novel that you have sort of in the yeah. back of your head brewing, does it seem daunting to you or do you think, well, I'll just write this scene and I'll write that scene and then I'll start to put it together. And if very daunting, yeah, very daunting. Um, yeah. Which I think is why I started writing these little scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's one of those things I'm very attracted to. I'm sure you have this, right? It's a thing that I'm very attracted to. It's a thing that I like to spend some time doing. At the same time, I look at people who've done something like write a book that is a really good book that people want to read, and I think, how amazing is that? <laughs> how am I ever going to do that? Right. You know? So it's very daunting. But I think... Um, yeah, I think that, you know, I've, I've thought about, I've thought about so many different ways to go at it, right? I mean, I think um, you were there when I was going to sell my condo, when I was going to move into my brother had a cabin in North Carolina, I was right. going to go move in and quit my job and go right. And that, 
you know, didn't happen, of course. So I've sort of thought Being about doing backed that. backed up a dump truck of gold to your door, <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. No, actually, that was when I met uh, one of my boyfriends. So okay. that was, you know, that was my distraction. But, um, but I've thought about doing that. I've thought about the writing a little bit at a time kind of thing. Um, and neither one of those have really, you know, the truth is everybody can say you don't have time, but you have to make time. I mean, you just have to do it. You're very good at that, I think. I mean, you really do sort of put time aside for the things that you want to work on, which is what you have to do. And I've never done that. I've been always terrible at doing that. So my solution at one point was to, you know, quit my job and move into a cabin. That didn't work out. Um, <laughs> It <laughs> probably wouldn't have. Um, I probably would have lasted two weeks. But um, but so recently I've thought, okay, maybe the idea is just write something shorter and see how that goes. But write something complete, mm-hmm. you know, not just little scenes and see how that goes. So that might be my next attempt at it. It seems like there's something to whatever size something is completing it that creates a little momentum that you can maybe carry into the Yeah. To the next thing. Yeah. I feel like you're a, in a general sense, like a good storyteller. Right? Like, <laughs> I feel like you appreciate stories and you yeah, present I things in like a way a that story. is. You're you a great storyteller. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Yeah. Um, you're probably going to cut that part out. Right? That's <laughs> going right on the I have, I editing room edit, floor. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, I, I do. I, I, I really love a good story, and I love it when people can tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a family of storytellers, and my parents' friends, um, they're the, I lar- the neighborhood I grew up in, at least you know when I was still in the city, was l- largely Italian, and there was a lot of very colorful storytellers in my parents' group of friends. Um, and so I grew up with a serious appreciation for that. And I'm still very, you know, attracted to people as friends or colleagues or whatever who can tell a good story. It's so important, right? I mean. Yeah, I know some people who, as soon as they start to tell like a, you know, and it's usually like a funny story, like, <laughs> I just start cracking up. Yep. Like, because I'm, I'm already in, I'm already there. <laughs> You're already in, yep. I know exactly what you mean. You know what's a little bit of a different skill that um, I really grew to appreciate um, was the ability to tell a joke well. So I'm not I'm not a joke teller at all, and you know hardly anyone tells jokes anymore. I mean, how often do you hear a joke? Right. My dad was a master. Like I would not say he was necessary. I mean, he he would tell a story. But, you know, in our family, was he sort of the great storyteller? Probably not. But that guy could tell a joke. He would just set that thing up for so long with so much color, and you just didn't even know where it was. You know, he just he would get you. So good. Every time, yeah. And it's (laughs) no one does it anymore. It's kind of a, a lost art a little bit because nobody sits around and tells jokes. I worked with an old time comedian in Vegas when I was in college in a show. And oh, wow. he would tell, he would change the set a little bit each show. We'd do like two or three shows a night and for a couple of weeks. And the, but there was like one joke that he kept telling, and it was not particularly funny. It was okay. 
but the way he set it up and the slight tweaks he made to the setup each night, we were just dying every night. Because <laughs> it doesn't even matter what the payoff is, right? It's just hearing <laughs> some, someone hearing <laughs> hearing someone who really knows how to yeah. set something up, whether it's a joke or a story, is so such a satisfying journey. Just like yeah. settle in, you're like, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> it's so this true. This is to be great. It's so true. I mean, I think we're lucky, right? That in that we. You and I both know a lot of good storytellers because um, I think you do get attracted to that in other people. Um, it's, you know, it's definitely it's an entertaining skill and I think probably translates to a lot of things. It translates a bit to one of the things we were talking earlier, which is being able to persuade people of mm -hmm. something. Right. I mean, you know, part of that is um, at least when you talk about, you know, some of the stuff I do work-wise is your ability to tell a compelling story to somebody. It's one of the ways you connect to people. It's one of the ways you mm -hmm. tap into things that they care about and figure out what resonates is to tell a good story. Well, it's also, it's like, um, this is probably the wrong word, but it's like sort of charming them, right? It's like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. I don't know, there's got to be a better word, but... So it draws them in, right? And Where did you get your storytelling ability from? Uh, I reject the premise. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously though, I you do you do tell you you spin know. a tale now and again. You've not been known to yeah. spin a tale now. And I don't again. know. I'm not sure. Like maybe was my your dad? maybe my dad. Okay. Right. He was definitely like a funny guy who like appreciated bits and material and liked to spin yarns, right? Like I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. He would get, when he would get together with friends, he would say, like, he would refer to it as getting together and telling lies. Right. <laughs> We're just going to get together and tell lies. And, That's You funny. know, and just sort of amuse each other with, yeah, entertain each other with, with stories and shtick. It definitely, I think it, I mean, maybe it's innate in people, but I, I feel like it's one of those things that gets passed on. You, you have, someone has to inspire you to, to be that way. Um, you know, what else do you think you got? Do you see like now we have a few years under our belts, <laughs> right? And we're yeah. the age where our parents were when we can remember yeah. them when we were kids and stuff. So like, what things do you think, do you see that you got from that? From my parents? Um, so definitely something all of us got from our parents um i would say is confidence and independence Those okay are two big i think qualities in my family and for sure my parents had those hmm. um it's funny right because you in some ways that changes a little bit um over time your sort of perception of of your parents confidence and things like that because it's a different things appear to be confidence when you're a child then you know to be confidence as an adult um you know i would say that about my mother for example like she was uh you know she she definitely was one of those people who i saw her as such a strong personality and she is when i was growing up like i she seemed very independent and she seemed very um you know, confident and she didn't take any shit from anybody and she definitely had that 
sort of personality. And then as I got older, I realized that some of that was not strictly true, right? That there, <laughs> there were a lot of things she was not very independent about that my dad took care of, or, you know, and I didn't see that. But it still had the effect on all of us that we have those qualities, mm -hmm. even though it maybe wasn't strictly true. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think those things, I think a sense of humor for sure. My parents were both, um, you know, they were funny, but I think more importantly, they really appreciated people who were funny. And so one of the things that was very true growing up and still is true is that, um, you know, my siblings and I would tell stories or make fun of each other or be funny to entertain my parents, to get mm -hmm. my parents to laugh, mm -hmm. right? It's like your first audience is your parents. And so that became very much a thing um, amongst my siblings uh, to try to make you know, my parents laugh. And one of the things I always say about my parents is that my mother is very, very easy to make laugh, at least um, for us. Yeah. I mean, she thinks we're hilarious because we're her kids. And my dad, my dad used to always, he, he would get, he, my dad was very, um, he was just a character. So it was very easy to be funny by making fun of my dad. So he was a lot of times kind of the butt of the joke. And he would always say to um, my siblings and myself, um, I don't think you guys are funny at all. <laughs> it was very, it was, I mean, it was funny the way that he said that. So even, you know, even that I would say was kind of inspiring, even though he wasn't laughing. Do you remember, do you, do you feel like there's a point where you're like, Was there a, an actual point where you feel like, oh, I'm funny, or oh, I have the ability to make these people laugh, like I figured it out, or I got it? Ah, yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I, you know, I don't think I realized um, probably until maybe high school and college that that was, a, you know, that that was a value yeah. yeah i mean you even though what i'm describing of course everybody had right which is some desire to entertain your parents and and certainly sure. i you know recognize that when and we when we were and weren't entertaining them mm -hmm. but i don't think i i put it together that you know that was a specific uh quality that people had of being funny until you kind of come across enough people who aren't who aren't funny and then you realize oh you know this is you know this is definitely not something everyone does or mm -hmm. not everybody interacts this way with their friends or their family and I think that was probably the point at which I realized like I had some ability to make people laugh at times um I don't remember being necessarily conscious of it before that what about you mm. I think there was some point where you realized, like, hey, this is a thing. Like, it's sort of like, <laughs> a, a, like, you know, probably people realize, like, oh, I can run faster than these other people. I just started running with my friends and I realized I'm faster or something. Not that yeah. I, I had a realization that was funny or anything like that. But, uh, you know, 
like you you just realize there are certain things that you didn't know were a thing like right you said that I, I didn't know this was a quality that wasn't just the same exactly the same across everybody yeah yeah and it could be anything right it could be yeah well and for guy i mean I, I would say this too i mean part of part of probably what was helpful to me was that i had to the people who were closest in age to me and my family were my two brothers mm-hmm. in particular my younger brother who's very funny they're both funny they're both funny but i think men boys etc are a little bit more socialized to be funny and to sort of be goofy or whatever that is than girls are and right. so I do think for me, it helped that I spent so much time around guys. Um, And so I think that's part of the reason. I don't necessarily know that it's as valued for little girls to be funny. And so you just, it is, I think. Maybe not in 1975. (laughs) Exactly. So I do think that part of it helps. And, you know, you do, in some ways, you find men who uh you know maybe are maybe are more commonly funny or make more of an effort to be funny and part of the reason is the way that they're socialized the way they socialize with each other but also there's you know the truth is that most women like funny guys for whatever reason (laughs) even though they're not necessarily socialized to be funny i don't know i don't have a girlfriend who you know, when you talk about qualities they'd want in a guy that funny isn't on that list somewhere, except for maybe Millie. She always likes to make a point of saying that. But I actually think she's, I think she does like funny guys. But yeah, so I think, you know, it, it definitely helps when you get positive feedback too. That's the other thing. It's sort of realizing that you're funny, realizing that's a thing, but also getting positive feedback from people. And for sure, I think a lot of guys get that from women. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's true for me, you know. It works on you. Works on me. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. Unfortunately. It's gotten you into some... (laughs) Some pickles. (laughs) Throw them Duke boys in another pickle. That's my new thing. I've a started pickle? saying yes. I've I started saying that because I just like so why don't good. people say that it's more so often? Good. I try to bring out some. I've been trying to revive a few <laughs> things like um, good gracious and oh, stuff like that. One. That's a good one. I feel like yeah, somebody in my childhood said that. I don't know who, but yeah, so good. That's a good I, one. I bring in stuff. We should definitely bring stuff like that back. Yeah, found myself in a pickle the other day. I mean, right? So good. <laughs> so good. I mean, you're definitely going to make someone smile. Yeah, right? Like you're gonna, like, let's mix it up. <laughs> right. There's all kinds of expressions in the world. Let's mix yeah. it up. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know what? That's weird. another list I'm going to start keeping on my phone. I just realized. Of Words I want to bring back. Mm. Because I'll it's think of idea. one sure. and then I'll forget about it. Right. You got to use it right away. Yep. You, you got to use it. Even if it's it. not really a problem, you got to wedge <laughs> it in so it gets into, into play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying, I was just trying to think about where, where we could source some more of those, but. Yeah, I know. Have a brainstorming I session. I said, I used the word foxy with someone today. Foxy? Yeah. In the traditional. 
Yeah, I was Usage. I was talking to someone about this this restaurant. Oh, I no, see. Uh, y- yes, I was talking about you. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also, A I was restaurant. talking about I was talking about this restaurant I like to go to. Um, you know, for this particular thing that I just like to eat, um, and which I won't get into. It's, it's a secret. Terrible, yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, I was ma- making mention of the fact that there is nothing but foxy young ladies behind the bar at this particular restaurant. And the person I was talking to said, I love that word. And I said, I, I use it occasionally because I also love it. And then I, I also told the story of the fact that my sister, you know, it was the 70s shortly after we moved to Frankfurt. My sister is uh, 11 years older than me. So she was, I think, already in high school. I'm so terrible at math, but I'm pretty sure she was already in high school by the time we were out there. And she had this um, tight black T-shirt that had the word Foxy on it in red glitter. It's great. I was like, I wish I had that T-shirt. I mean, it's a shame. It'd be pretty great. That's a great term. Yeah, foxy. It's a great term. I use that one. Did you guys have stone cold fox? Did you use that one? I don't think ever, no. Okay, yeah, we had that. When you were young? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I mean, people, you know, people were foxy. They were, they were pretty good. But if you were a stone cold fox, (laughs) it doesn't get any better. No, that's top notch. (laughs) We're going to have to bring that. We're going to have to bring that in. Stone Cold Fox. I like it. Stone Cold Fox. I hope someone else knows that term. I'm sure. I mean, yeah. it sounds vaguely yeah. familiar. I mean, it wasn't in use yeah. uh, in my neck of the woods, but I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of good ones. There were also, listen, there are also things that I'm sure we're all glad are dead, right? Yes, of course. Some bad ones in the yeah. 80s. Lots of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about trying to bring back some of the uh, Valley Girl terminology <laughs> recently. Uh, that barf, was a barf big... me out the door. <laughs> barf me out is a good one. Barf me out is a good one. It's pretty great. I, you know, barf in general, sure. I like to use. Is that right? Are you yeah, a user of I that? Yeah, I like to use barf. I mean, there are so many good words <laughs> for that particular, you know, activity. But I would say... Do you use it me. to refer to barfing or you refer it to something else? Like, oh, I'm going to go to this barfing. place. And you're like, oh, barf. <laughs> Not enough. Okay. Not enough. You're welcome. But <laughs> thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I do use it for the actual activity a lot. Yeah, everyone's got their favorite when it comes yeah. to that. But It's good. Barf is up there for me. Great. I think it's a great one. <laughs> um. I mean, this is a discussion that could go on for months, yes, right? We right? could stay up all I mean, night. It's ridiculous. We could stay up all night doing this stuff. Oh, my gosh. Um, people, other people will want to kill themselves listening to it probably, but. If they can just turn it off, <laughs> that's fine. That's true. Nobody's, nobody's <laughs> obligated to listen. Um, I was going to ask you, so uh, right, everybody now, the people like to use the bucket list term oh, and stuff, yeah. right? But I'm curious. Maybe not in in that sense, but like things you're thinking about that you want. It could be small or big. Yeah. Like, like when you think about like, 
oh yeah, I'd like to do blank or I'd like to find time in the next month or year or something for. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, you know, one of the things, which is that I've always wanted to learn how to play the guitar. Oh. And I've been so bad about doing that. Still, there's plenty yeah, of time. There's plenty of time. So that, that's definitely on the list. These are mostly small things, I would say. That's yeah. definitely on the list. I think I am also one of those people, I'm so terrible at other languages, and I don't know how people do it. I really don't. I have friends who are so good, and I, I just don't. It's probably just an area of the brain that's not developed for me, mm -hmm. or I don't have, whatever. Um, but I would like to do that. There's a, you know, I, I would like to learn to speak one other language at least well. That'd be great. Yeah. So that that's kind of on the list. Um, you know, one of the things I think about doing uh, when I retire from my gig is doing some legal work. I mean, I did this when I was at the law firm. I'm not really allowed to do it now because we don't carry malpractice insurance because I work for a company. Mm -hmm. But um, I would like to, at some point, uh, do more kind of pro bono legal work. I do think it's one of those things that um, it's real hard for people to know how to do stuff you know, legal-wise, mm -hmm. I think even simple things. Um, you know, it can be hard for people, for example, to fill out, you know, immigration applications, Th things that, sure. you know, really are not probably, they don't need an expert, but they usually have questions that may require some expertise. And so at some point, I think, you know, I can't really do it now, like I said, but I'd like to spend more time doing that kind of stuff. I did it when I was at the law firms because we did have insurance and they you know allowed us to do that but um i think that is important right i think when you have knowledge that other people don't have it's important to try to help other people totally agree with that so i would do some of that i think that's buckety for me um i keep telling myself i'm going to officially learn some ballroom dancing i fake it like nobody's business but i should probably at some point actually learn how to do it <laughs> love it take lessons and... yeah take lessons and do it like do it you know sort of as a hobby like just go out and dance or yeah. like go to like these competition thingies or um, something you know i wouldn't be opposed to the competition mm -hmm. things i think it'd be fun um i think it'd be really fun uh, so yeah, that would be on the list. Learn some of that stuff for real. A lot of learning, a lot of tasks I have to accomplish, right? That seems to be my, that is not a fun bucket list. I should I probably, disagree. <laughs> I, should probably, yeah. I should probably, you know, do sort of more, you know, put some more fun things on there. I mean, I do fun. love traveling. I, so there's a million places. Sure. For sure. Um, I mean, that book is on that bucket list. You know, that's never, yeah, sure. that's never coming off. Um, that's a good list. Yeah. I think it's good. I mean, all those things sound, they actually do sound fun, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. The process of learning. And, <laughs> For sure. Yeah. It seems really good. Yeah. What about you? you My have a bucket list? list? Yeah. Do you? Sure, I have a list. I keep a list of things that I want to do, and some of them are you small. You actually write them down. That's a good idea. And some are big, and some are small. 
Yeah. And I chip away at it, and it grows faster than it shrinks, you know, but that's okay, too. Um, Are you going to tell me The anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> I will when, it's, when I'm in the guest chair. All right, okay. We'll talk more Fair about enough. that. Um, yeah, but I think it's, it's nice to have things to look forward to, and it's nice to feel like you're making some progress. Mm-hmm toward them or, or working your way through the list even if it's slowly and even if you're for me even if i'm not going to get to all of it yeah. knowing that i'm not going to get to it but yeah but working on it um yeah i think it also keeps open you know you were kind of talking earlier about uh, you know that it's impressive when somebody finishes a novel or does some some big piece of work and that it seems you know that it's sort of daunting and stuff and i think that doing things reminds me that you can do things. Mm -hmm. And I think like when I was younger, it was, it's a lot of stuff didn't seem as daunting. You're like, well, I'm just going to do it. I'm just Mm going to, right. And you would, you wouldn't think about the, how much it was to take on until maybe you were part of the way (laughs) into it. Right. It wouldn't stop you from starting. Yeah. I think that's an important spirit to be able to, you talked about keeping the muscle for things. Um, in shape and i think that's one of the most important things is that can do things and you can start them Mm -hmm. which is the most important part and then you can also get them done yeah kind of reinforce that yeah yeah you can get the momentum going but it's funny too i was thinking as you're saying that i'm very much like that at work right and i know people who are not like that i i i mean i just i get something I, you know, something assigned to me or something comes my way that I have to work on, blah, blah, blah. I pretty much get started on it immediately and just knock it out as soon as I can. It's mm-hmm. just, um, that's the way I work. Yeah, that's good. So it's good. weird that I, yeah, but I'm not good at that in other respects, in other aspects of my life, I would say. But, but you know, we, um, we all know a lot of people who are not good with that at work, too. You know, have a hard time finishing. <laughs> I don't think that's true. He's pointing to himself. I don't think that's true. Thank you. <laughs> um. You know what makes you get that way, and I'm sure you're probably finding this out in, in your latest gig, but um, being busy forces you to s- start to get that way. That's right. You know, because otherwise your list is just so crazy long that you just can't even get out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right, I think that's a good thing to be able to sharpen up, right, is to realize that, well, you could belabor this longer or you could just get it done slash decide and mm-hmm. move on mm-hmm. to the next thing because you kind of have to. Are you a list maker of things that you have to do? Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And try to make it, when do you make your list? Do you make it like the day before? Do you make a list for the week? Sometimes make- it's just in my head. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it is in my head, but if it is something I think I'm going to forget, I definitely write it down. And That's I would say everything for me. <laughs> I would say that that'll be what will go on my list are sort of not the things, the things that I can prioritize later that I might forget. That's really why I have that list. Because I, you know, for example, you know, I'll have sort of these 10 things that I have to do. 
immediately and you know maybe five of them i'm going to do today and five of them i won't get to you know till tomorrow and then i know tomorrow there's going to be like five more so what will happen is if i don't write that one thing down that can wait it will just it has to be staring at me on my desk <laughs> and then i'll remember to make time mm -hmm. to do it otherwise you just you get caught up in sort of the latest crisis right you just get swing um, swung yeah. from thing to thing yeah, so that's my list. It's not the day-to-day -day stuff is usually just in my head. It feels it good totally, to cross those things. Yeah, it off. does. So it's satisfying. So good. Agreed. <laughs> um, I have another question for you. That's there's no segue. Just to, or just popped into my head. Um, what do you think makes you happiest? Like if you imagine or remember yourself in sort of happiest states, what do you think the mm. contributing element or elements are? I would say people, for sure. Um, you know, we have all had um, those periods in our life where we can spend... Um, you know, ridiculous amounts of time with our friends just goofing around and telling, you know, to go back to many of our themes, telling stories and making jokes and goofing around. And um, I mean, I, I would say that was probably when I was the happiest is when we had the time and the ability and probably the proximity to each other to really do that. Um, I miss that. I will say this though, I appreciated it at the time. You know, I'm, you know, I really did kind of know, maybe from just watching my parents and how life unfolds and how things get difficult and time gets precious, but I did sort of appreciate how unusual that was. Um, and it's very hard to find that anymore. Uh, but that is probably. You know, kind of the hap one of the happy places for me, for yeah. sure. Um, sometimes it's you know for me too. The other you know the other thing um, that can make me happy is sometimes a place in the sense that you know there are places I've been lucky enough to visit in my lifetime, which are very inspiring and you know peaceful or um beautiful and that can you know bring me a lot of happiness probably a lot of other people too i imagine that's one of the things that makes people happy people and places mm -hmm. is how i would sum that up okay that's good <laughs> yeah yeah i i think mo more than activities for me you know, some people probably get a lot of joy from specific activities. Right. And I would say for me, it's more people and maybe places. Second. Distant second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. That's good. What about you? That's a, that won't be a long one to answer, right? I can ask I you that. I think it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can. Uh, well, I'll cut it out, but I'll, <laughs> but I'll answer it now. Um, I'm leaving a pause for the edit. <laughs> uh, it's 
I should say people. something really profound over it. So yeah, that that's you can't. right. Can't lose it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's for me. It's it's people um, for sure because the, the the most enjoyable times I've had. It doesn't matter. Like oh, I went to this restaurant, it was amazing, and blah blah. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. Like I don't. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I'm eating. Like yeah. the things I remember the most aren't like, yeah. oh, that dinner was so good, or it's not the place. It's not any other conditions. It, for me, it's actually people, um, and probably secondarily activities. But part of that is activities with. People. Like, I like yeah. playing music by myself, mm -hmm. but I like playing music with other people, and that's very satisfying to me, whether or not anybody listens or anybody likes it or what yeah. happened as an outcome. Um, yeah, I have to more believe like, that's you know, true. It's more like being with, you know, being with people I really like and having fun, and mm -hmm. uh, which just means enjoying each other's company and the stories and the laughing mm -hmm. and the like understanding and connecting. Mm -hmm. um, it's that stuff by far. Right. Yeah. When I think about it, it's not like, Oh, I was in this hotel and it was so luxurious or <laughs> I was, yeah, you know, no, ate I this agree. food and it was so delicious or whatever. I mean, yeah. I appreciate like yeah. places and nice yeah. stuff that's good, but that's not really. Yeah, I agree with you. I think when I think of places that have inspired me or that make me happy, it's always, you know, and I'm not some, I'm not like a wilderness girl. I'm not some big hiker or something, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's some kind of scenery, you know, it's not a hotel or right. a right. restaurant or. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but for me, I mean, it can be somebody's living room and you're just sitting around together. Mm -hmm. That's great stuff. Right? Or maybe you're doing something together. Maybe you're outside mm -hmm. doing something, but it's, it's the people you're doing it with. And yeah. Stuff that make a big difference to me. I miss having a lot of time to do that. I really do. I mean, I think that's sort of whatever. One of the tragedies of growing up. You know, having to go to work every day and it's, you know, I miss it. And yeah. it just, you know, it becomes more difficult for time reasons, but I think distance too. Totally agree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if there are any 20 year olds that are listening, take note. That's right. There's no 20-year-olds listening. <laughs> That's so there true. There might be nobody listening. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can talk more, but we'll do it another time. This was awesome. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I appreciate it. You're a good interviewer. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Good, yeah. thanks. I mean, good. from someone who sort of has done that in one way or the That's other. That's right. We didn't even get to talk whole... about that career yeah we need to talk about that too <laughs> i still ask people a lot of questions so you're good uh, at it. i think doing this is helping me part of it is an exercise for myself to become a better listener and not yeah. just talk that's really good to, i think that's to important. learn to listen yeah it's about <laughs> it's about time that i learned it uh, it's time <laughs> <laughs>
I've never thought you were a bad listener, but I know what you mean. And I think everybody could use some of that. Sure. I think we can all do yeah, a little better. All right, Jennifer, thanks for being on the show. <laughs> My pleasure. Okay. This is What Else? <laughs> thanks for listening to What Else? We'll be back with another episode before too long. Thanks for listening. Bye. Goodbye.